0: This is the sermon podcast of Lord of Life Lutheran Church in Columbus, Ohio, where we proclaim God's extravagant grace, radical inclusion, and relentless, relentless compassion. compassion. Join us for worship Sundays at eight a.m., nine a.m., or eleven fifteen a.m.
1: This is Lord of Life. There is a place for you here.
0: For more information,
1: please visit our website at www.acceptingall.com.
0: Good morning. 1 Kings 19:4 through 8. Elijah went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a solitary broom tree. He asked that he might die. It is enough now, Lord; take away my life, for I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the broom tree and fell asleep. Suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, "Get up and eat." He looked and there was his head there at his head was a cake baked on hot stones, a jar of water. He ate and drank and laid down again. The angel of the Lord came a second time, touched him and said, Get up and eat, otherwise the journey will be too much for you. He got up and ate and drank. Then he went in the strength of that 40, food 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the Mount of God. Holy Wisdom, Holy Word.
1: My brother is a a carpenter in Chicago, my older brother, and um, he uh, was not, well, he's not the easiest person to live with, let's put it that way, and um, it did not look like marriage was in the cards for him until unexpectedly he got married a little later than most, And he and his wife wanted to have children, and they tried for a couple of years, but when it finally looked as if that wasn't going to happen, um, they went for adoption. They end up going to the Ukraine, thinking that they might come back with a uh, happy, giggling baby, and instead came back with three girls, sisters, all from a different father, three 5, 7. So all of a sudden, this guy who had never even thought he was going to get married becomes the father of three girls. Then his wife died one or two years later. So now this guy, who didn't think he was going to get married, who is suddenly the father of three girls, is now raising three girls by himself. And not just any three girls. Because each one of of these girls came with a certain amount of damage. Uh, Either from abusive parents, addictions. um, The orphanage that they came from was horribly understaffed, so they, they had received very little attention. The youngest one didn't talk. The one that seemed the most normal was the eldest one, Larissa. She was charming. And she took good care of her two younger sisters. The problem was that she wouldn't give up that role to her new adopted mother. And so they started to butt heads. As time went on, it became clear that her damage was less visible than with the other two. Her problem was that because she had been adopted so late in life, she was unable to bond with her new parents. Indeed, she was unable to bond with anyone. She was unable to give or receive love. Now, a word about my brother. He is an incredibly stubborn man. When he was growing up, uh, one of the stories that comes on through the family was that when he couldn't figure out how this glass door in my grandfather's house worked, he just started wanging his head against it until my mother finally came and showed him how it opened. And that seemed to kind of define how he worked. He would just, he just wangs his head against things until they give way. This guy threw himself into raising these girls to the exclusion of everything else. But the tragedy of it is that Larissa was already so damaged by the time she came to him that, in essence, the DNA was set. And as she She had trouble in school. She started abusing drugs. She slipped in and out of prostitution. The the police in the area became regular guests at the house as they came to try to figure out how to handle these various situations. And every day Tom would get up and bang his head against whatever challenges that day brought. Eventually she got so deep into drugs that she overdosed and died. Let's skip to the first lesson a moment. It's like, imagine a stage and the curtain opens, and all we see is this old man staggering onto the stage and collapsing in the center by himself. And the first line he says is, take my life, it is enough. I'm no better than my ancestors. Of course, this story is dropping us right right into the middle. Elijah, before this, has done great things. He has revived the worship of God in Israel. He has challenged the various idols and their worshipers. He will do great things. He's going to anoint kings and prophets. But right now, in the bit that we get to see, he's just one exhausted, dispirited, depressed old man collapsed in the wilderness under a lone broom tree. He's on his way to the mountain of God, to Mount Horeb. Otherwise known as Mount Sinai. He's on his way there to meet God, but he can't get there. He's too weak, he's too tired, and so he collapses and falls asleep. But if he can't get to the mountain, apparently the mountain comes to him. God of the mountain comes down off of that mountain. Comes down and bakes him a little bread. And gives him a little water. And in one of the little details I love about this story, he wakes them up, feeds them, and says, now you go back to sleep. You rest up. I'll make you breakfast again tomorrow. Twice, he's fed. Twice, he receives nourishment to continue on in his journey. In our gospel, we hear Jesus talking about being the bread of life. We also talk about him saying, believe in me. The work of God is to believe in the One that He has sent. And I will give you life. But the longer that I have been a believer, the more I have struggled with just what it means to believe. Does it mean I have to subscribe to a certain creed? Does it mean that I have to believe that, that, that someone lived that I've never met? Does it mean that I have to uh, believe that this person's a son of God, or this, or that, or exactly what is it? And what happens if I can't? I don't know if Larissa believed. But I do know that she could not be anything than what she was. To my shame, I I always thought that she could change. And I used to get angry at my parents and at my brother because they wouldn't crack down on her. They wouldn't put a wall up in between them and her to keep themselves from being hurt. But this man who simply wangs his head against whatever problems are in front of him could no more not love Larissa than she could be the daughter he was hoping she could be. And so even as she was stealing money from the family, even as the police were showing up at their door day after day, he loved her and he tried to help her. What do you do when you give love and get nothing back? What do you do when the person you love uh, (coughs) cannot receive or give that love back? I think what happens is you end up being consumed. The person in need simply consumes what you give them. And I think maybe... At least for me, that's as good a definition of belief as I can come up with. Some days I just, I don't know what or if I can believe and when I come to those days, I still come up and open my hand to receive a little bread and wine. I still eat what is given to me And maybe that simple act is faith, is belief. All Elijah can do there in the wilderness is take what is given to him. All he can do is eat this bread and drink this water. God finds him there And God finds us in our wildernesses. Because after all, like Elijah, I think we all have to come to the point where eventually we say, I'm no better than my ancestors. I think it's called the midlife crisis. When we finally realize that we are not going to totally rock this life. That this life is going to get its own licks in. And we realize that when it all comes right down to it, we're just one of us. No better and no worse. But it's to that dispirited and depressed one that God comes and bakes him a little bread and gives him just enough for one more day's journey. For just enough for that next leg just as we today receive just enough for the next day, and the day after that, and the day after that, God finds us and draws us ever onward toward that holy mountain where the prophet Isaiah describes that great feast that's going to be waiting there. A feast of fat things and wine and beer and french fries. The feast of everything that is needful. We're not there yet. But I think that's where God is drawing us, all of us, and especially the broken ones and the tired ones. The ones who need to eat just like the rest of us. Amen.